Welcome to the New Grace Sermon Podcast. New Grace exists so people experience new life in Christ. We invite you to connect with us on social media, at newgrace.cc on Facebook and Instagram. For more information or to support this ministry financially, visit us at newgrace.cc. All right, I'm going to be in Acts 2 in just a second. Before we get there, let's go to Romans 12. If you got your Bible, if you want to pull it up on your phone or look on the screen for your reading, we're going to launch with our theme verse for the next few weeks out of Romans 12, 21. Paul said, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. That's worth reading again, isn't it? Now, look, there's a whole lot more to that than it making a good shoulder tattoo. There's a whole, whole lot more to that than being something shareable on Facebook. Let, let, let's let it speak to us, because we all need a word this morning. Can that, do you think that can speak to us? Romans 12, 21. Be not overcome. Don't live under that which is evil. But instead, overcome, or here we go, come over the evil with good. Let me say this morning, it is no mystery to anyone that has spent any amount of adequate time on this planet. This is not a mystery, what I'm about to say. You and I live in a world where something can happen in your life and in the blink of an eye, your entire world can be turned upside down. Most of the worst things that are ever gonna happen to me and you, we get blindsided by those things. We didn't even have time to see it coming. We get sucker punched by situations. Circumstances set themselves against us in a matter of moments, and we didn't even have time to worry about it. You know why that is. God knew if we would have saw it coming, most of us would have worried ourselves into an early grave. And most of the things that are going to catch us by surprise, many of those things will be the worst things that happen to us. Here's the deal. When life happens, it does, it has, and for some of you, it still will. When it does, let's be honest, it can leave you wounded, mean, bitter, cynical, jaded, confused. There are things that are going to happen, and you will throw your hands up, look to heaven, and say, where are you at? If you haven't done it yet, There's coming a day where you may, and you probably will. On top of all that, we're connected to a society that's cutthroat, a cutthroat society. After they get done with you, they will leave you bleeding out where you lie, and you'll be nothing but a smear on their memory. To make matters worse, here we are, northeast Georgia. We live in the south, meaning we are the rust on the buckle of the Bible belt. And everywhere we turn, there's religious oppression. There's man-made traditions that'll suffocate a good spirit right out of you. 
And even if you do protect yourself and you get in a church that understands God's grace and his mercy and how people need second, third, fourth, and fifth chances, you still get caught in the crossfire of all the religious zealots on Facebook that run around with a sack full of rocks and a handful of nails looking to stone everybody that ain't just like them and crucify everybody that don't agree with them. I need a witness at 10 a.m. It's all right. It's all right. I think on a personal level, many of us in this room, we've faced hardship. We've faced difficulty. And many of the things that we've been through, if we're honest, and we were to pass the microphone around this room, and we're not about to endeavor to do such a thing, but if, if we're completely honest, I think most of us could take 30 seconds and personally testify that we had stuff happen in our life from the time we were little shavers through middle school, high school, and here's the thing about being middle school and high school, you're soft clay. You're so impressionable. You're so malleable. You're so moldable. And we don't even realize that as 13-year-olds, as four, if 14, 15 years old, we don't even understand this at the time, but we are creating a past at 15 that we will live with when we're 50. If you're soft clay and I make an impression in you and you harden through your 20s, that impression will still be there when you're 15 years old, when you're 25 years old. That's why many of us crawl into the decade of 45 to 55 and we are still living under an impression that was made on us our sophomore year. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I think if we're very honest, and I can't think of a better place to be honest, Sadly, we have turned church into an Oscar performance. We have turned, many, many people in church were wearing masks long before a pandemic came along. We're real good at playing hide and never being sought. And, and, and I don't really know how else to do it, but raw, real, unfiltered, you know? I'm keeping it real, Pastor D. I'm with you. I'm trying to keep it real too. And I want to be real honest. A lot has happened to a lot of us. And we have been taught by a religious system that was man-made that if you and God are on good terms, bad stuff won't happen to you. We were taught by a religious system that if you cross all your T's and you dot all your I's and you check all your boxes with religious affiliation, that you won't ever have a bad day in your life, that God will always prosper you, that good things will always happen to you. I'm reminded about a character named Job in the Bible. He crossed every T, he dotted every I, he checked every box, and last time I checked, hell happened at his house, and the only thing he was left with was a witchified wife that told him, curse God and die. So I, I just, I want to take a second and, and, and keep, it, keep it real and get it level in the room because a lot has happened to a lot of us. And the atrocity in what has happened to us is that we spend the rest of our life living under something that God said you don't have to live under. I'm thinking about a girl right now. I can't get her to step foot in this church. We went to school together. Our paths have crossed several times, but she is afraid 
of being in the public eye because of the slander she dealt with in middle and high school. And she continues to live under things that were spoken over her. I'm thinking of somebody right now, they grew up in a fundamental, old-fashioned, legalistic system that took you and poured you into a man-made of religion and told you you had to act this way, you had to dress this way, you had to look this way, you had to talk this way. She checked all the boxes and realized the system was bankrupt. She doesn't know what to think of her Bible, doesn't know what to think of God, doesn't know what to think of church people. And if it's so much as looks, sounds, or smells anything like Jesus, she don't want nothing to do with it. You know what I found out in the last few years of pastoring right here at Banks Crossing? Most of the people that come in the doors of this place, they got a bitter taste in their mouth over church. They don't want nothing to do with it. You know what? I don't blame them. I don't blame them. The impression they get of God is starchy, stuff-shirted, critique, judgmental, condemning, narrow-minded. Am I preaching yet in this room? Y'all got to help me. Y'all got to, I know y'all, that 830 crowd, I gave them mercy. Y'all bless God, we're awake, it's 10 a.m. We got Starbucks pumping in our veins. I got a Bible that tells me I don't have to live under the evil that's happened to me. Because I got a Bible that teaches and tells me that God has put inside of me an overcoming spirit. So I don't care what came against you in your life. I have a Bible that teaches and tells me whatever came against you, God has put in you the divine ability to come over that which came against you. I came to serve notice on the devil and help somebody this morning at New Grace and tell you, you don't have to live under it. We have a God who is more than qualified and able to help you get over it. Can I get somebody to help me praise God this morning? If you believe God didn't call me, God didn't destine me, God didn't save me to live on the bottom side of a circumstance that happened 20 years ago, but he's a God of resurrection. He's a God of life. He's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. Do I got anybody in the room? that can help me go to church if you know it should have killed me it should have ended me it should have finished me but good God I got over it somebody better help me praise him this morning yeah I got over it overcome evil with good my God you got more good in you that comes from God than you will ever understand or ever realize. That's what I, I that for the next few weeks, see, I got a hook, bless God. I'm not looking to just get you here for Easter eggs and grass. Now, there's some folk up in this room, they got the kind of grass you can't put in the Easter bag. That's all right. That's what it's supposed to be, right here. Right here. Everybody all right? I don't have to live under it. I can live over it. I can get over it. God told me to tell someone, I don't know who you are, and I don't know what happened, but you need to hear this. When you have an overcomer spirit inside of you, you refuse to live under the shadow of a season or a situation. Some of us are living in the paragraph on a page God turned a long time ago. 
You put a ring on the finger of a moment and you're living with a memory that God's already moved past. Overcomers refuse to let their mindsets be molded by an external force or circumstance. Overcomers know how and where to find healing for the wounds that they incurred. Overcomers will eventually find the freedom. They will eventually find the bravery and the courage to boldly talk about what they've been through and what they overcame. Nobody can talk about a wound when it's still bleeding. But you find some old boy... Or some girl that's got a scar? You ever seen somebody with a scar? And you stepped out on that, lay, that, that, that limb of bravery based on your relationship status with the individual, and you said, hey, what's that scar? They have no problem telling you about what happened because it no longer hurts, it's no longer bleeding, and it's nothing but evidence. It happened to me, but I survived it. It happened to me, but I'm living to talk about it. In a few words, let me say, overcomers, they just get over it. We just get over it. Now, I know what you're thinking. Is there anybody in the Bible that would give us the ideal example of someone who had the worst possible scenario happen to them, yet they still overcame it? I flipped through the pages of my Old Testament plenty of worthy characters. I look through the pages of my New Testament, plenty of worthy characters. But I can't get my mind unhooked and unhinged from the number one person that I believe had the worst possible circumstances and they got over it and they lived to talk about it. In order to answer that question, we've got to address what Easter is all about. His name is Jesus and he got over the worst thing that could have ever happened. Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. How is he the superior overcomer? Check this out. Peter's in the middle of preaching this sermon at Pentecost, and he says this, ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, he hath taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Look at verse 24. Check this out. This Jesus, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Can you paraphrase, Pastor D? Absolutely. What happened to Jesus killed him, but he still got over it. <laughs> it's, not, it's not every day. Not every day you meet somebody, and you're like, hey, what's the worst thing you've ever been through? Oh, I died, but I'm here to talk about it. I mean, you can find a heck of a car down here at the Waffle House at 3 a.m., but outside of that, most people aren't going to tell you such a thing. I died, and I lived to talk about it? I want you to think about this. All of the things that happened to Jesus, all of the things that took place, all of the evil in this world that came against him, and get this, in 2021, he's still alive. All the stuff that hell threw at him, and he's still alive. 
all the things the religious crowd tried to do to him, and he's still alive. Judas betrayed him, he's still alive. The Romans crucified him, he's still alive. The soldiers buried him, he's still alive. And may I say to you this morning, you are still alive. Oh, you, you're, not, you're not hearing what I'm saying. Do you realize the very fact that there is blood pumping through your heart and you're inhaling and exhaling right now in this room? You hear all of the sounds. You see all the sights. Ladies and gentlemen, it needs to occur to you this morning, a lot has happened to you. You have faced a lot. Some of us have been through things that are not fair, that are not right. We didn't forecast it. We didn't ask for it. We didn't see it coming. In fact, some of the worst things that happened to some of us, they have happened to us indirectly because it happened to our parents when we were children. Some of the things that happened to us happened to us when we couldn't fight back. We couldn't talk back. We couldn't defend ourselves. We didn't understand what was happening to us. We were told to do this and make this decision and we did and it was the wrong decision. And a lot of us, we wish for a time machine. We wish for a pencil with an eraser that we can erase and rewrite it. But guess what? You can't go back to yesterday. The page is turned. But I want to tell you something. A bad chapter in the book may happen, but one chapter doesn't mean that's what the whole book's about. God brought me here today to tell you, bless God, in a second you're going to stand up. And when you do, your knees are going to be between your feet and your head. You know what that means? You're still alive. It didn't stop you. It didn't end you. It didn't finish you. It didn't destroy you. You should have lost your mind, but you're still alive. You should have lost your heart, but you're still alive. It should have took you away, but you're still alive. It should have ruined you, but good God. Oh, no, no, no. I'm about, to, I'm about to rebuke this religious spirit up in this room. You're not hearing what I'm saying. Some of y'all been to rehab, but you're still alive. Some of you got locked up, but you're still alive. We survived abortions and affairs and divorce and abuse and drugs. Bless God, we have a Savior who died and he's still Who am I preaching to in this room? The devil told you to tap out. The world gave up on you. Your family wrote you off. The religious people down the road, they washed their hands of you. But here you are today, sitting in Commerce, Georgia, by the grace of God. Do I got anybody in this room that would help me kick a rock out the way and praise God? Before, before you judge me on how good of a time I have with Jesus, you don't know what's happened to me. You don't know what almost buried me. You don't know what almost finished me. So excuse me for a second. If I get a little happy bubble bowing up on the inside of me, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be on this stage. But can I tell you what Paul said? By the grace of God, I am what I am, and I am where I am. Somebody better help me praise him this morning. 
over it. You're still alive. You are. You're still alive. Some of y'all are thinking, if I can bless God, get through this service alive, I'm hitting that door running. <laughs> Some of you have never smiled in church. You've never laughed in one service. We're going to have to get an iron and iron your face out because the wrinkles are going to be there. Is this okay? Is this, is this all right? Let me look at look it. As long as none of y'all brought no snakes, it's all right. <laughs> Churches in America, attendance is sky high. We didn't get to go do this at Easter last year, you know. We're sitting there half naked at the house watching church online, right? <laughs> you know, like, I can get used to this. Bless God, this is all right. <laughs> Tennis is sky high right now everywhere. In rooms, sanctuaries, and auditoriums are being filled with people that believe without a doubt there's a God. Most of us don't need him until... A crisis comes along. But 2020 got our attention. Right? It happened to somebody we know, or it happened to somebody close to us, or it happened to us. It got our attention. The reality is this. Churches just like this one are filled with people that were supposed to live their life as victors. And they're living their life as victims. Herein lies the confidence that we have in our ability to get over anything else that may happen to us. See, God lifted Jesus from that which happened. See, verse 24 says, whom, talking of Christ, whom God raised up. Can I submit to you that his body lay dead as dead gets? I'm not talking about a 30-second miracle. I'm talking about three days and three nights. But the word of God testifies that it was the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead and brought him back to life. It was God that raised up his body and brought him new life. Can I say like Jesus, God can lift you up? Oh, I need, a te I need somebody to testify. Jesus is the evidence that God can lift you up. Have you, you ever been betrayed like Jesus was betrayed? Sat at supper with a Judas Iscariot. Wash the foot of a devil. Somebody that in a few short hours would kiss you on the cheek and stab you in the back. Jesus got over being betrayed. And you can get over being betrayed. Jesus was beaten beyond recognition. Have you been beaten beyond recognition? God, some of us, if we're honest, 
We're in the fight of our life right now. Everywhere we turn, we're getting hit from the left hand, the right hand, and not everybody's fight is the same way. But I guarantee you right now, if everybody's honest, everybody in the room's in a fight. Right now, most of us are fighting. Some of us are in financial fights. Every time we turn around, it's a left, it's a cross, it's an uppercut, it's a headlock, it's a triangle choke. Every time we turn around, it's a relationship fight. There's this happening and that happening, and then this took place. Every time we turn around, it's another family fight. This is happening with our kids, and this is after our, our daughter, and this is happening in our home. And every time we turn around, it's another fight. But I want to tell you something. They beat Jesus to the, po the point of brokenness, and he overcame it. I don't care what's fighting you. I don't care what's beating you. I don't care what's after you. There ain't no demon in hell or a devil in your house that's got the ability to beat you beyond God's power. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? He overcame what came against him, and bless God, you're going to overcome what came against you. Anybody in this room ever felt just buried under a set of circumstances? And it's usually not one. It's usually not one. One gets us aggravated. Two gets us frustrated. But then all of a sudden, everything just stacks itself. And you can live on the other side of a rock like a caveman. Close yourself off in a spirit of suppression and just be buried alive. I get it. Ma'am, ma'am, I get it. He won't talk. I get it. It's like he's got a dumb spirit. Not a dumb spirit, but a won't talk about it spirit. He carries it, suppresses it. You know why? Because we're men. We're he-men. He-man. We're superheroes. We don't bleed in front of the people we lead. We go bleed in private. We turn, we turn the patio into a cave. We turn tree stands into caves. We turn bathrooms. Bless God, I locked that door for a reason, honey. I'm in here trying to be suppressed. And the reality is that many times we bury ourselves, and then we're angry at the world for forgetting about us. I want to tell you something. We have a God who overcame the greatest obstacle in this universe, death. He survived it. And I want to tell you something. You are still alive this morning. So I don't care what has beaten you, what's betrayed you, what has broken you, or bless God, what has buried you. God told me to come over here and remind every one of his kids this morning that you are an overcomer, that you have the power to get over it, that God is not done with you. I don't care how big the rock is. I don't care how long you've been there. I don't care how tight the grave clothes are. God is a God that gives life after death. So even if it almost killed you, you're still alive. Somebody help me praise him. July 6th, 1998, Atlanta, Georgia. WCW Nitro. Bill Goldberg versus Hulk Hogan for the championship bout. And it was a heck of a slugfest, ladies and gentlemen. 
You can go back and watch the highlight reel on YouTube. Thank you, internet. If you watch, it begins to get real lopsided towards the end of the match. Hulk Hogan is giving Bill Goldberg and his Georgia Bulldog blood all he can handle. Venice Beach, California in the house. Beautiful blonde locks with that horseshoe of a helmet. 303 pounds, six foot eight. Reigning legend in the ring. And he's about to put an end to Bill Goldberg's undefeated streak. At the end of the match, after Hogan slams Goldberg, he executes not one, not two, three of his, you won't come back from this, leg drops. His leg looks like it weighs 100 pounds. He drops three of those on Bill Goldberg. Goes for the cover. One count, two count, and Goldberg pops out before three. Hogan is mesmerized, blown away. Not only did he survive one, two, but he survived three leg drops. As he's fuming and feuding in the corner, little to his knowledge has Goldberg gotten to his feet. He has taken that famous linebacker-looking stance. And as Hogan turns around to his dismay, here comes Goldberg and spears him right in the middle of the ring. He gets the crowd on their feet. He pulls everybody in for this final moment before this awesome finish. He takes Hogan, picks him up, pulls him straight up into that powerful suplex position and drops him on the canvas, covers him. One, two, three, and Goldberg is the champion of WCW. There's an old preacher that I know from Athens, Georgia. He was friends with Bill Goldberg. They played football together. He saw Goldberg a couple years ago at the Atlanta airport, and they were catching up in conversation. He said, hey, Bill. He said, you remember that July match in 98 with Hulk Hogan? He said, man, how could I forget? He said, I ain't gonna lie. I was watching that entire night. And when it got to your fight, man, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. But I'm going to be honest with you. Bill, I got real nervous about halfway through that fight. He said, it was like Hogan had you. He said, I mean, it was bad. And man, when he dropped three leg drops on you, I thought for sure you were done. I don't know how you came back from that. Goldberg leaned in and grabbed him by the shoulder and smiled a big smile. He said, buddy... Let me tell you something. No matter what happened in that ring that night, it had already been determined from the man upstairs. (laughs) He said the corporate office upstairs already determined who was gonna win that fight. I wanna tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I don't care what happens in the ring. I don't care how many leg drops fall on your life. It's already been determined by the man upstairs that you gonna make it, that you gonna win, that you gonna overcome. I 
wish I had a witness this morning. Somebody better help me praise him at new grace. If you know, bless God, it's already been determined. Come on, JJ, help me close. Help me close. Praise the Lord. Can I stop preaching like an evangelist and can I pastor for a second? So, so two things, two things. God lifted Jesus from what happened. And Jesus, God, can lift you too. But if you continue to read our verse, it says that God loosed. Loosed Jesus from what happened. Can we, can we put that verse back up there? Whom God hath raised up, having, there it is, loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. I want to say this, like Jesus, God can loose you too. <laughs> I want you to listen to me. Look up here. Listen to me. I don't know you. I don't have to. I don't know what happened when you were a kid. I don't know what happened in your first marriage. I don't know what happened in your worst relationship. I don't know what's happened. And I don't have to know what happened. But God told me to tell you this. He has the ability and the power to loose you from what happened at that other church. He can loose you from what happened with that other guy. He can loose you from what happened at the hands of a family member. He can loose you from it. God told me to tell you this. Are you ready? You have been loose from what happened, and it is time for you to make the decision to walk out of it like your Savior did. I'm going to help somebody this morning. I'm going to help somebody. If you want to outlive it, you got to live out of it. You, you can't get over something when you're still in it. You say, I'm, I'm out of it, man. I'm out. What are you talking about? I'm out of it. It happened, it happened 10 years ago. I'm out of it. Your butt may no longer sit on the couch of that house. And you may, not, you may not still be at that job, and you may not still be with that person. And you may still have the pictures of that fetus that you were never able to bring into this world. And you may still be able to take me to the tombstone of a loved one you laid to rest. And you say, Pastor Derek, I'm not in that anymore. You can be physically out of it, but mentally in it. You can, you can go years and move on and do all the things we do to move on. I've got this vacuum of a void inside of my life, and I'll try to stuff it with everything. Well, maybe if I was to drive this kind of car, or maybe if I wore those kind of shoes, or maybe if I had that kind of house, or maybe if I made that much money, or maybe, and I'll sit there and I will, listen to me, I will get caught up in the fallacy that having the most makes me more. 
and I will blur the lines between what I have and who I am because I will think what I have makes me who I am. And how many of you know sometimes it takes you loose? Oh, God. Can I cuss in church? Can I cuss? Sometimes it takes you losing something to realize what you really got in yourself. If you're not careful, you will believe the lie that your self-worth and your value is defined by what happened to you. Anybody got a $100 bill? You're like, bless God, I just, I came to church and he asked for money. You got $100, Amanda? Give me that $100 bill. I promise you I'll give it back. I'll give it back. I got a $100 bill. Who wants it? You want it? You want it? Anybody, anybody want it? $100? Anybody, not rocket science. Anybody want it? In all reality, if this wasn't Amanda's $100 bill, and I just pulled this out of my pocket in a spirit of generosity and said, hey, who wants this $100 bill? Y'all would trample the first two rows to get to it. We'd be scraping up this brave jersey off the floor if I was really giving this thing out. But what if, as you came to take this out of my hand, I smiled and said, I just pulled this out of a three-foot-tall pile of manure. Pulled it right out of the middle of a big old stack of feces. I'm going to step out on a Jackson and Banks County limb right here and say not one soul in this building would cease the activity to take this from my hand. You know why nobody in this room would refuse this $100 bill? Because you don't give a flip where it came from. You don't care where I found it. You don't care what it's been through. And you don't care what's happened to it. You know why? Because $100 is $100. I want to tell you this morning, I don't care where God found you. I don't care how deep in it you were. I don't care how you smell. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what's happened to you. I don't care what God had to pull you out of. I wish somebody helped me preach this thing. Your value's not determined by where you've been and what happened. Your value is determined because your father made you his child. Put that bottom line up there. Here we go. We're, we're going to land the plane. You ready? If Jesus can overcome what happened in death, you can overcome what happens in life. I got a better word for you. You ready? Somebody needs this this morning. If he got over what killed him, If he who lives in you got over what killed him. Everybody put your hand up in front of your face. Everybody put your hand up in front of your face. Breathe on it. Come on, breathe on it. You feel that? That's breath. You're still alive. You're still alive. You can get over what didn't kill you. Now, you may have wanted to die. 
You may have wished your life away. And I get that. For some of you, I can understand that. For some of you, I won't be able to understand that. I'd be up here lying saying if I understand what you feel. The worst enemy that any of us have ever faced, listen to me, it's worse than drugs. It's worse than addiction. It's worse than divorce. The greatest enemy that you and I will ever face is the enemy of death. When you lose someone that you love, it's a hole in your heart that nothing in this world's ever gonna be able to fill again. And nobody, nobody's gonna be able to tell you, I understand what you feel. They didn't lose the person you lost, you did. But there is one in this room that knows how it feels to lose a son. And when he lost his, he did it so he could gain you. He gave his to get the likes of me and you. And through that, God has given me and you the ability to get over whatever happened. If you want to outlive it, you got to start living out of it. There's going to come a day where you can talk about it. There's going to come a day where you can praise God out of it. There's going to come a day where you're able to walk as an example from it. But God told me to tell you this morning, through Jesus you can get over it because you're still alive. Somebody help me give him praise in the house.